tuned in to the cold hard truth. Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea. Piping hot, so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via WhatsApp at 324-1612. Email tips at caymanmarlroad.com. Now, here's your host, Sandy Hill, broadcasting live from the beautiful Cayman Islands.
Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday. It is Friday, March the 5th. Are you guys excited because it's Friday? Or are you actually excited because there's been a lot of political meetings going on, getting you guys all hyped up? I've seen you. And we're going to talk about some of it this morning. Um, I was at two meetings last night. Yes, good folks. Lots and lots and lots going on in the world of politics. Let me just send out my usual links to our viewers who want to make sure that they get notifications. So this morning, we're going to be talking about politics in the Cayman Islands. And of course, we do have our usual Friday lineup, by the way, uh, who will be joining us. So we've got Sammy Jackson. He had his first meeting this week. So we're going to talk to him a little bit about that. And we have the beautiful Sabrina Turner, who has been busy on the campaign trail as well. So we're going to be checking in with her and talking about a few things. We will touch on education, um, also permitting we have enough time this morning. So yes, let's get this train on the road. Let me see who's with me. Hold on now. Who's here? Who's here? Marshall, the first out of the barn. This is like a rodeo. He's like, hey, I'm here first. I'm checking in. Good to see all of you. Thank you guys so much. We've got Alice. Good morning to the lovely Alice. How are you doing? Uh, Miss Morna, of course, is here with us. Miss Morna, I'm sure of it, has her coffee mug and her tea, and she is ready to go. Yes, honey child, we got lots and lots and lots to talk about including a viral WhatsApp messages message that was in wide circulation yesterday. I don't know how many of you got that, but, you know, we're going to add it to the Fab Friday lineup. Good morning, Karen. How you doing, honey? Miss Olivia is here. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Hi, Dave. How you doing? You know, I was at um, Sammy's meeting which we're going to talk about this morning with him on uh, Wednesday. Let me just tell you, first of all, the days are starting to run into each other. I have to think hard now. What day of the week is it? But um, I ran into someone who said that they only recently started listening to the program in January. So they've been missing out, child. But they said, ooh, Miss Sandy, I love me some cold, hard truth in the mornings. Really enjoy your program. And uh, I must admit that I was a little bit surprised that this particular person was watching. So I think our it's fair to say that our reach is um, quite wide these days. We're reaching all sorts of people in the Cayman Islands. Yes, Caymanians, non-Caymanians, worker bees, Managers, owners, people overseas watching. Thank you guys so much. Miss Samia, I still got to get to you. I'm hoping today's a little bit less hectic. Yesterday was pretty busy because I had two meetings to 10 last night um, for work. And during the day, I was just trying to get all my little errands ran. So yesterday was quite crazy, to be honest. Hi, Miss Anne Marie. So yes, Miss Sandy, I've got you on WhatsApp. I'm going to message you. Um, I do need to go to East End first. And then 
after the east, I shall come out and continue the journey from there. So anybody else, Miss Ervalyn, Anne-Marie, anybody else attending any of these political meetings? Bonnie, good morning, Larry. You know, it's a Caymanian thing I discovered many, many moons ago for um, people to go to meetings. You guys might not know this, but Caymanians love uh, a good meeting. And when I say love a good meeting, listen, they go outside their district. They go to each and every meeting. And um, they just enjoy, you know, seeing all the different candidates and hearing what they have to say and what they have on offer. So, yes. Let me see who else we've got here. Hello, Miss Ethel. How are you? Miss Darlene is also here, both from the UK, joining us. So, did anybody else get this WhatsApp message? I'm going to pull it up here in a second. Yesterday, that was like, oh gosh, I got it so many times. Hold on. Let me pick one person that sent it to me and I'm going to copy and paste it because I don't want you guys to see who's communicating with me. Although, like I said, this one was widely circulated. Um, let me tell you, I got this no less than one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Jeez, I'm peace. The list goes on. It was a long thing about Kurt Tibbetts and the PPM. So I thought, um, let's have a look at this. I don't know the author. Don't know who started this, but it went far and wide yesterday. So let's delve into it because you guys know we are in the midst of a campaign. And I suppose everybody's got something to say. So this is but one position. But I must say that it is a very interesting position. And I found it quite interesting indeed. And you're going to see why here in a second. So let me just make sure that when our guests are ready to join in, they are able to do so, which means that I need to just tweak something on the back end here. So give me one quick second, and then we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of this politics. We might have to pull up Alric's song because I tell you what, this is so appropriate for what we got going on. Hello, Mr. Andy. How are you? What's happening? What's happening? What's up? Where's my camera this morning? I've noticed it's not working. Hold on. Gustavo, how are you? Ta-da, there we are. I use a little bit of, there, there we go. All right, very good. Buenos dias, good morning, Gustavo, how are you? All right, so let's dig deep right away. Let's get into it. I'm gonna show you guys the screen share. Add it here, and this is what I got. Let me see if I can um, increase the size a little bit. Uh, yes, 
It looks big to me, but I know on the screen it doesn't really come up that big. Okay. Anybody else got this? Hey, King, what's up? Yes, honey, Charles. King is getting his feet soaked. Mess with you. Come on in. Fast, fast. That's what we're all about in Cayman, you know. That's what Cayman. People love Cayman Mall Road. They be cussing me, but I know they love people business more than me. Mm-hmm. Yes, honey, child. It was the right formula at the right time because everybody loves a little bit of sus every once in a while. Hello, Siobhan. How are you? But right now, the sus that we're most interested in is the political sus. And to be quite frank and honest with you, that is everybody's business. And rightfully so. Because, you know, these politicians can do the most. So we want to find out what they are up to. And when I tell you they're up to a lot, you better believe it. Trust me. Um, all right, let me see here now. I wanted to, um, let me just check with my video guy one second here. I did ask him to do something for me and, um, All right, so um, sometimes I have to really uh, keep on top of my people here. You know, there were there's um, a couple people that I saw at Wednesday's meeting with Sammy, and then I saw them again last night. And like I said, you know, Caymanians love that sort of thing. They'll go to every some some people go to like every single meeting. Seriously. And that's cool. I think if you have the time for it, why not? You know? Um, let me just see something here. Yeah, so if you've got the time for it, do your thing. Go to all of the meetings and see what everybody's talking about. Marshall says, years ago, I used to go to everyone's meeting, collect their shirts and donate them to those less fortunate people overseas. Overseas? Honey, child, we got enough of them right here in Cayman. Yes, get a t-shirt from everybody and take it to people who are homeless and living out by the dock. Let's talk about that soon because that's a reality. Um... We don't have to look far to see how we can help other people right here and donate, y'all. So here's what this viral WhatsApp message said that was in circulation yesterday. Mm -hmm. So it says, in order to, oops, one second here. Let me see. Let me see if I can, um, there we go. Make it a little bit bigger. All right. It says to understand the PPM, you have to under, I, they say under the leadership, but I think they meant to say understand the leadership. Contrary to popular belief, Alden is not the real leader Kurt Tibbetts is. Huh. Kurt is the one 
behind the scenes organizing the concessions for his clients. And he's the one who's collecting close to a million dollars a year. Consultancy fees from Dart, Bronte Development, NCB Development, Fraser, Wellen, and anyone who wants a revenue concession or planning law waiver. Now, I don't know what these triple X's are for. I don't know if that was somebody's name or what that is, right? Since he's not elected, he's not bound by any of the laws like the standards in public life. So he's somewhat protected, but using his influence. And then it's got that those axes again. So when he brings your children, when he, when he brings your children and, oh, sorry. So when he brings, I think that's just supposed to say you, not your, when he brings you chicken and ham, smiles and jokes with you and tells you to vote PPM, remember that you're selling your children's future for chicken and chicken and ham while he builds apartments for his children. Hmm? It was Kurt Tibbetts who instructed the PPM not to remove Makiva. Otherwise, the marriage of convenience would collapse and he would no longer be of any value to his friends who he consults for. Okay. Ask yourself this question. Other than chicken and ham, do I have anything to show for all of the years I voted for the PPM? And by extension, since they are now one and the same, the UDP, which is really the CDP. Our children are educated and cannot get jobs, but theirs have good jobs. Our children can no longer find affordable land to buy, but they have many acres to give their children and make secret deals with their friends to give away the very same revenue the government needs to buy or secure decent land for affordable housing. The UDP and PPM, remember, they are now one and the same, have been in power since November of 2001. So it can safely be said that every difficulty we now struggle with, social, financial, housing, education, employment, health insurance, traffic congestion, overdevelopment, having to prove you are Caymanian when applying for jobs, etc., can be attributed to the inept leadership of Makiva, Kurt, Alden, and Moses. Everything. But not one person in their family or their friends are struggling. Only you who fall for the chicken and ham without asking why or who is paying for it. Not sure if the PPM and UDP are one and the same? Question mark. Ask yourself why election is only, sorry, ask yourself why election is two months early. It was done to avoid dealing with the Makiva conviction. Still not convinced? Question mark. Don't you realize that Makiva is not running one UDP candidate against any of the PPM candidates in any constituency? If you dislike Makiva and you think he should not be speaker, then understand that a vote for PPM is a vote for Makiva. Because if PPM wins the election, they will return Makiva as speaker. We are in West Bay watching you in Georgetown. Okay. We will try our best in West Bay, but it's really you towners who can keep Makiva out of power. And that's how it ends. Uh, okay. So let's dissect this a little bit and see um, what we think of this post. Like I said, 
it went around the barnyard a couple times yesterday. As we say in the world of uh, 2021, it definitely went viral, at least on WhatsApp. I don't know who else shared it and what are the forms, but it definitely went viral on WhatsApp. So most of this isn't anything earth shattering. I would say actually none of it is earth shattering. And in fact, I had heard um, for quite some time now that Kurt Tibbetts has some sort of consultancy firm that does work for um, some big clients such as Dart. Mm, okay. Um, I have no idea who Bronte Development is. Obviously, NCB Development is a local Caymanian company. And I have no clue who Fraser Wellen is. Is that a person or a company? I don't know. I'm assuming it's a company because they've just list all of these other companies. So does Kurt Tibbetts have a consultancy business? And are these some of his top clients? Well, speculation, not confirmation. I've heard the same thing on the mall road. I have no way of confirming it because I don't have access to Mr. Kurt Tibbetts' um, client list. But, you know, Cayman is pretty small. So when people talk, they're, in my um, experience, tends to be a lot of um, truth to a lot of these things. Oh, right. Thank you so much to our good um, <laughs> listeners who confirmed that Bronte did see you. And there's some Australian, I won't use the next term that they use to describe him. I'll just say Australian fella. That was not the word that was used, folks. Named James Lagan or Lagan. I don't know how he pronounces it, but there you go. So, um, all right. Thanks for the info. See, I don't, I don't have these com companies I don't know anything about. So very good. Um, so that's interesting. Do I believe that Kurt Tibbetts has this consultancy business and these are his clients? Yep, I do. Like I said, speculation, not confirmation, because he's not shown me his client list. But um, this rumor of him having this consultancy business and getting some high-end clients is, is um, pretty well-founded. Is there anything in principle wrong with him having a consultancy business? No. I guess after being in, in politics for donkey years, he would have acquired some skill set that um, is probably quite useful to developers and um, private entities. Now, Kurt Tibbetts, as we all know, retired from politics uh, some years ago. And he is working behind the scenes still in the PPM. Now, this is where the allegations get very, very interesting. Because if he still has political influence, despite not actually being an elected official, and he can still walk around and tell the good folks in Georgetown who to vote for and what to do, hmm, I think that this is quite an interesting point, quite frankly. Um, the last election, you guys will remember, that Kurt Tibbetts, 
actually um, basically got Barbara Connolly and David White elected. He took them around and told his Georgetown people because Kurt was in for a very long time and Georgetowners love Kurt Tibbetts. They love him. He's like, he's the Makiva equivalent for Georgetown. Makiva is the West Bay equivalent. Kurt Tibbetts is a Georgetown equivalent. So it's almost like they can't do anything wrong. The people in Georgetown hold him up as a king of all kings, right? So Kurt Tibbetts comes to you and tells you, vote for Barbara. And I guess if you're a PPM supporter already, it was an easy choice. You listen to Kurt Tibbetts. He says, vote for David, and you're going to vote for David, and you're going to vote for Barbara. And that's what he did. So he still has political influence. He still very much dabbles in uh, what happens within the party. And I think everybody can accept that. That almost seems like it's good common sense. So that's exactly what's going on. So that point is very, very believable. Now, the real question is, does he utilize that influence with leaders such as Alden? Um, just a quick point. Someone is asking me about Andre coming on this morning. He's not coming today. He had to reschedule. We're going to talk about Andre in a minute, though. Uh, we had to, he had to reschedule his um, session with us to Monday. So if you're interested in hearing from Andre Ebanks. Um, definitely we can talk about it. So here's another comment. Someone says, bronze is James bronze, foreigner, foreigner developer behind Seaview and now Laconia and a few other projects like Bluestone Cafe building. Oh, what you're hearing about Kurt Tibbetts is absolutely true. In fact, Kurt jokes that if he knew he could make so much money in the private sector consulting, he would have left government sooner. Two snaps and a slap upside your head for that one. And I don't doubt that one iota. I believe it. There's good money in consultants, consultancy. And I guess if you have political influence and you can actually really get things done from behind the scenes, then there's probably even better money in it. Hmm. There are a lot of people who dabble in this as former politicians. And the interesting thing about Dart and his organization, now we use this term Dart, like this man makes every decision. I don't know who in his organization makes, is the real decision maker. If it is Dart or if it's, you know, his VP of whatever, all these titles that they have. But they're quite savvy and they know how to um, get things done. And they certainly know how to use Caymanians. And I don't mean that in a bad way. They know how to utilize um, Caymanian intellect and resources when it comes to our human capital. They may not use it at the highest levels of their organization, so you're not going to get the really good jobs, but they're going to bring you in at a level where they can still make very good use of you. Think about this. Every single high-ranking civil servant in government that has been contract not renewed, fired from government, dismissed from government, even under a cloud of suspicion, DART seems to pick them up, which is so interesting. I've always thought, well, why would DART want people who got fired from the port under allegations of all sorts of stuff? Why would DART pick up the NRA guy, Parchment, 
who likewise basically got fired from the NRA. You know why? Because the dark people are actually pretty smart. They recognize that, right, Mr. Parchment might have been doing some little shenanigans that got him in trouble at NRA, using government equipment on private projects and whatever. But you know what? He has a wealth of knowledge that we can use. He's got connections to get our road infrastructure projects, works done, whatever, as part of all the different projects that we have going on within the DART organization. So all of that um, is very interesting. I mean, I have heard a number of um, ex-politicians, even Mark Scotland, I've heard Mark's name um, dropped, that he works very, very closely with DART and he may have a consulting contract as well. Now, I know he had a consulting contract with the NRA, and I don't know if that's still an active contract. But yes, you get into the world of politics. This is how it works. You get into the world of politics, even if you only serve one term. Once you are connected to that world, you then have access to able to be able to do a lot of different things. Now, the question becomes, does that access or does that influence cross the line, right? Because everyone knows in the real world, it's all about connections, folks. I accept. They call it in the world of business, networking. You call it whatever you want, but it's the same concept. Getting things done through the people that you know and through the people that know you. That's what it's all about. So I suppose if you have one foot in the political arena, and the other foot in the world of business, you are really at the top of your game in terms of networking and being able to get things done. Now, do they cross the line and do they push for projects that are not in the best interest of the people of the Cayman Islands? Do they turn a blind eye to planning regulations and environmental concerns, all under the guise of um, getting their own pockets lined? Is our political leaders, let me rephrase that, are our political leaders influenced by people like Kurt Tibbetts because of his close friendship and affiliation with Alden? Is Kurt Tibbetts, based on what this uh, viral message has said, is Kurt Tibbetts actually the real leader of the PPM? Hmm. Let's have a think about it. Now, Kurt Tibbetts, you guys remember, I told you I was there from the beginning with the PPM, now the progressives. Kurt Tibbetts was very much influential in getting his former, or they might still be in Lions together, I don't even know, his Lions brother, Alden McLaughlin, elected. In fact, Alden has never been incredibly popular with the people when you look at the numbers. So let us go to the elections website to prove the point. So when there was more than um, one man, one vote, because remember, we're just coming into the second cycle of one man, one vote. You got four votes in Georgetown and you got four votes in West Bay, two of the larger districts in terms of electoral votes, right? 
So now Georgetown is split up significantly. But thanks to the good people at the elections office, you can go back in time and you can actually see election results for quite some time. So I'm trying to remember what would have been the first year that Alden got in. Let's go back here one second. Let me just have a look. Um, would it have been 2000? All of this information, by the way, is soon going to be on the Cayman Decides website. So if we go back to 2000, uh-oh, doesn't look like the elections website is kind of working this morning. I'm clicking on the results stuff and it's actually not bringing up results, which is weird. All right, let me, okay, finally brought up for 2000, the previous years it wasn't bringing it up. So, right, so we have, um, the District of West Bay. We have Georgetown. Okay, let's have a look here. Mm -hmm. So in the 2000 election, let me just enlarge this a little bit. We had a, a whole host of candidates, 14 people running, folks. And we had Kurt Tibbetts elected with 80% of the vote. Linford Pearson, was Linford elected in 2000? Right, so Alden McLaughlin was the second elected member with 60% of the vote. So I think that was his first term running, if I recall correctly. I'm going to verify that. And then we had um, Frank McField, 49%, and Linford Pearson, 44%. So it looks like that rounds out the top four. Okay. So those would have been the elected members in 2000. Gosh, that seems like just yesterday, but at the same time, a really long time ago. Okay. So let's go back a little bit. Um, let me see. Oh gosh. The results before that are so they're very, very old. They're like kind of Georgetown. We had Kurt Tibbetts. Um, Dr. Steve Tomlinson. Alden wasn't around then. No. So I do believe um, this is 19. Oh, this was 1992. No, 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 no. Alden definitely wasn't around then. All right. Let's see if we can go to another year. So 2000, 2005. Seems to be really weird how it opens it up. It takes a minute. 
All right, now this one is super small. But I think most of you get the point that Alden has never, to the best of my recollection, been first elected member. So in fact, here we are in um, 2005, and we have Kurt Tibbetts with 69%. So he went from 80-something percent to 69%. Then we had um, Lucille Seymour with 58%. And Alden McLaughlin at 63%. So then he was second elected member again. All right. So if we move on to, that was 2005. They had the referendum results. Because 2009 was when we did the referendum on the Constitution, right? So now we fast forward. <clears throat> to 2009 and we have let's see here again a good slate of candidates at the time and this time around alden gets only 45 percent of the votes and he now becomes you've got kurt tibbetts at 47 percent so folks things start to go downhill Mike Adams gets 46%. So Mike was a second elected member. Alden has now fallen to third place with 45%. And this is when Elio got in with 40%. So Elio was the fourth elected member. That, folks, is um, 2009. Let's continue because I think every time Alden wins, <laughs> he uh, gets less and less of the votes. So 2012, let's have a look at what the 2012 results show. So I can see where the thinking comes that really, truly, both in terms of popularity within the community at the election, um, at, the at the polls, basically, Kurt Tibbetts has always appeared to be fa the favorite over Alden McLaughlin. Like I said, I know that he introduced Alden to the world of politics, it was Kurt Tibbetts. It was like Alden was his, his muse, his understudy. You know, he would take him around to different homes and show him, Alden, this is how you need to humble yourself because not everyone is naturally humble. Um, and in fact, not everyone is, is good at doing the whole door-to-door -door thing. So there are people who are um, not very familiar with... Um, what is this one? This isn't the 20. This is the wrong thing. Hold on. There are people who are not very familiar with the meet and greet concept, going door to door, sitting down with people. There's some people who are not even comfortable doing that. They want to be involved in the world of politics, but in fact, they're a little bit afraid of, um, of the politicians. The They're a little bit afraid of the constituents, right? And Alden was kind of one of those people. Like, he's not a people's person. I mean, I don't know if you've known this or not, but he is much more comfortable sitting in a bar by himself talking to a singular barmaid and making some moves in that direction. 
he's not really like the life of the party. Like he's not much of an extrovert. I think that it probably takes a lot for Alden to do what he does. Like it probably takes a lot of energy for him to be in larger groups of people and, you know, doing his thing. He's just a one-on-one kind of guy. Like he'll sit down after he's had a few drinks. I do feel like it helps him a little bit to become perhaps somewhat more social, but it's like an awkward socialness because it just doesn't come natural to him. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Everyone is different in terms of their personality. So now when we go to the results in 2013, right? Kurt Tibbetts is at 42%. Roy McTaggart is at 37%. Alden is at 36%. But close on his heels was Marker Archer within percentages, like literally, uh, let me see here, 2,145 votes for Alden versus 2,085 votes for Marco Archer. So Marco Archer at that time, a newcomer to the political arena, a newcomer to the PPM, almost overtook was, was Alden premier in 2013? I think he was. Almost overtook the leader of the party. And this was the year, by the way, I told you guys this on uh, Thursday and yesterday morning. This was the year there was a discussion at Sammy's party about the year that Alden cried because he thought he had actually lost the election. And funny enough, the year that these guys who were talking about that story said was 2013. And you can see, in fact, how really close the numbers were between him and Marco. And then the next highest numbers after Marco would have been um, Joey Hugh, which was 1,940 votes. So at some point, Alden was concerned that he had lost the election and was literally crying about it. So he's never been on the top. He's never been the first elected member. Obviously, with one man, one vote, you know, that changes the dynamics. You can't really compare him to anyone else except the the person who lost sort of thing. So very, very interesting. This viral message, I think, speaks volumes. The takeaway from this is, listen, Kurt Tibbetts is going to make his coins no matter what. Okay. Yes, he's going to set his children up. And anyone in life with a little bit of sense, that's what you do, to be quite fair and honest. Now, do you do that as a leader of this country at the detriment of other people and their children? That's the better question. Because there's certainly nothing wrong with you trying to build um, your family up, trying to leave something for more than one generation. But The real question is, do you do all of that whilst you are sacrificing the future, the greater future of the rest of the community? That's where the problem lies. The other point that this message brought out for me is people who are so easily bought, whether it's a chicken, a turkey, a ham, or even $500 in your hand come election time, you really need to wise up. Now, I hear some stories about envelopes 
being passed around. Even during the last election, Georgetown North, there were allegations and people were taking photos and they were calling the election office and making complaints. Now the elections office said that they didn't find anything. Let me be very clear. If that is happening this time, what you all need to do is get the evidence. Demonstrate it. Everybody's got a smartphone. Everyone has a camera. Folks, uh, all the people who are working on, you know, campaigns, you're helping candidates, go get yourself a little secret pen camera so no one even sees you recording. You know, they have those, those spy cameras, get one. Record these envelopes being handed out, record the vote buying that goes on in our communities, all the way from West Bay Central to probably East End it's happening. If you witness it happening, don't let it just stay on the mall road as a rumor. Get the evidence so that the authorities can do something about it. And once you can prove it, then it needs to stop. Someone needs to finally be prosecuted for this whole vote buying situation because it is against the law. I hear about all the envelopes that are being handed out full of money. Where do you think the politicians get the money from to buy your vote? Who's funding these campaigns, folks? There are a lot of big businesses who have an interest in keeping certain parties in power or certain individuals in power who are favorable to their projects and favorable to their positions. And regardless of how it's you know being sliced up, it is certainly not something that is going to benefit the people of the Cayman Islands by and large. And if it's not going to benefit you beyond the immediate handout, you need to think very, 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 very carefully what it is that you're actually giving away and what it is that you're selling. Now, let us be quite frank and honest. There are a lot of Caymanians who um, don't have the, the vision to see beyond what's right in front of them. So you hand them a $500, you have some marl delivered to their yard. They're like, oh, great, thank you. You're the next best thing after sliced bread. So they're not even thinking, parents are not even thinking about their future. They're not thinking about their children. They are more worried about the immediacy of what they're going to get. And you'd be shocked and surprised how most of them don't even put that $500 to good use. They're going to waste it in something frivolous and something stupid. And you see that, my friends, is what separates certain people in this country from the rest of us, right? They're lining their pockets. They're building their empires. And the little crumbs that you're going to get at the end of the day, which amount to nothing, you turn around and use in a frivolous manner in any event. Now, let me talk for a minute about the West Bay candidates, because there's something fishy going on in West Bay. Now, you know, there's always something fishy going on in West Bay. But George, uh, um, uh, not West Bay South. Last night, I attended both meetings. We actually covered both meetings. And I have to tell you, they were very different meetings. Um, Andre's meeting had a lot of people. Tara Rivers was there. Marco Archer was there. On his platform, he had people like um, Brian, 
Oh, Brian, uh, what the heck is his name? Brian, partner at Applebee's. Oh, Lord, what is his name again? Remind me, Brian. It, it completely slips me. Let me let me bring, I see Sammy here. I know Sammy would know exactly who I'm talking about. Sammy, good morning. Morning, Sandra. What is, what is Brian's last name again? Uh, if you're talking about a former partner, Manager yeah. partner of Applebee, um, it would be my friend Brian Hunter. Brian Hunter, right. So he was on, on the platform. Apparently, Applebee's had given um, Andre a, a um, scholarship to do law school. And I think he may have even done his articles with them. So it, they were very different meetings, but I was surprised. And, you know, Andre's coming on the show on Monday, so we'll definitely talk to him about this. But I was really surprised at the number of PPM people that were there at that meeting last night. Now, Andre has said that he has no affiliations um, with the PPM or the UDP, and he's running as an independent candidate. If that is the case, and if it's the case that Alden actually has not put him up to run for political office, as is being rumored on the streets, I find it extremely peculiar that Tara Rivers would choose of the two meetings of her former constituency, the one meeting that she would decide to go to is um, what everybody's saying on the street, her heir apparent, uh, the one who's been crowned to take over her seat, which is Andre Ebanks. Something, something not really adding up here. There were rumors that the PPM actually bust people to Andre's meeting last night. I don't know if that is true or not, because I didn't personally see any buses there. But if that is the case, why would they be doing that? Why would Makiva just a week ago before nomination day, the Thursday before nomination day, make some grandstanding announcement that, oh, they have someone in West Bay South that is going to be their candidate? It is very, very strange and bizarre. So the talk on the street is that um, Andre has the blessings of both the CDP and the PPM, and that when he gets in, he will be more than happy to assist them in forming a government. Now, we will put that question to Andre when he's here on Monday, without a doubt, to hear what he has to say. Now, having said that, someone just sent me a comment. Because trust me when I tell you there's a lot of, um, you know, rumors here. So here's what someone has said about Raul. So, you know, we, we don't, listen, we don't have any skin in this game in terms of what is being discussed on the street. We're going to bring it to you. And it doesn't matter which of the parties or which of the individuals it is. So someone has just said this, RNC Consulting, which is Raul Nicholson Co., was the consultant grabbing at large acres of property, putting it in a company name and selling it back to Dart. McKenzie was, I don't know who the hell McKenzie is, was a part of those deals and got his big commissions out of the sales. Um, again, I don't know if this is true, but Raul will be on next week and we can certainly discuss this with Raul. So a lot of people, especially in West Bay South, have brought up this whole thing of who's aligned with who, and what are the connections? You know, who's who's going to be if they get in? I mean, obviously, there are only two options. So one of the two have to get in. Um, who are we really supporting behind the scenes? And this goes back to this whole message 
with Kurt Tibbetts being the person who is pushing and leading the PPM-led government. And the real question becomes, are these candidates, a lot of them, who are running as independents, really running as part of a party, but silently doing so? So we know that Tara Rivers, she ran her entire political career, all two terms, as an independent, but everybody knows that she had a PPM affiliation. Only God knows why she didn't become a PPM member, right? They put her in a ministerial position and she stayed there and she continued to work with them, although she ran under the umbrella of being an independent candidate. Austin Harris, he has remained um, an independent candidate in name. And he says, no, he's an independent candidate. But without a doubt, for the past four years, he has been a consular under the PPM-led government. And if he was to be returned to office, there's no doubt that he would work with the PPM again. Uh, Sammy, what do you make of, of all of this stuff? I mean, sometimes it gets a little interesting trying to decipher what is really going on. There's so many players in the background. Do you think that people need to be worried about who's actually pulling the strings in the background? Because that's what this viral video or this viral message was all about. Who is pulling Alden strings and the strings of the PPM slash CDP, which I agree with this, whoever this author is, it's no longer the UDP, it's the CDP, but for all intents and purposes, with this unity government, we have seen that they have amalgamated themselves into a singular party, which means that this, this country has no real opposition to the PPM or, or the CDP, except for the independent candidates. Well, I, I don't know. I, my advice to folks would be to look closely at the candidates, see who they are associated with, and draw your own conclusions about allegiances and alliances and that sort of thing. Um, there's lots of things that speak to that, coincidental things like um, when Andre entered the race, Tara withdrew almost simultaneously. Um, you're right to make you know, um, the, the connection that there's obviously PPM members at Andre's um, meeting. I don't know myself. I have not actually been in a position to having to do my own thing, not being in a position to look deeply into that. <clears throat> I intend to because um, obviously at some point looking forward, um, I might be called upon to make a decision, an important decision um, uh, as regards um, the whoever comes out the other end of this election uh -huh. successfully. And I would like to know those things myself. But my advice to folks would be to simply analyze everything that candidates say, uh -huh. look at who they're aligned with, look at who is promoting them, and then they can draw their own conclusions. One word of caution, though. Um, just because a message goes viral doesn't necessarily right. make it true. Right. And I, 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 I'm a little bit perturbed that we are, because of the power of social media, that mm -hmm. we tend to engage readily in sending messages around just because they sound very um, exciting and, 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 and it is silly season after all. Yeah. And especially, you should bear in mind that the best lies contain some elements, elements of, truth. of truth. Yeah. And uh, there was nothing... I was going to say, Sammy, there was actually nothing in this particular message that I found that was earth shattering. I mean, I think most of us know that Kurt Tibbetts does have um, some sort of consultancy company and he probably has very large clients. 
Um, this part about, you know, him controlling, sort of still being a controlling um, influencer or whatever within the progressives, that's probably very true as well. I mean, none of this is really earth shattering. I'm no. sure that, that Alden has kept Kurt Tibbetts on um, as an advisor. And, and those of us who operate behind the scenes know that, you know, you call Kurt Tibbetts and things seem to get done in the progressives that even if you call Alden may or may not happen. So is he still influential um, in the party? Without a doubt, I'm pretty sure that that's true. Absolutely. Are people still selling their votes for chickens and, and donkeys? And Oh, sorry. That was another jackass video. Um, chickens and um, ham and turkey and whatever. Yes, people are selling their votes for that and so much less. So that's a fact. Is it a fact that if the PPM gets back in, despite what Alden said last week about he's running this coalition manifesto and it doesn't include Makiva. Do we really believe that? No, we don't believe that. We're not that stupid. We do believe that if PPM gets back in and anyone who is affiliated with them, they will do exactly what they did last time, form a government of convenience with whomever. And that would include Makiva and the CDB. So I didn't think any of this was earth shattering, but I guess the way that it was put together, um, it was something that really made people pause and think. Well, we 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 saw most of us with some degree of trepidation saw the the marriage of convenience of the then CDP or the successful CDP um, uh, members and the PPM and successful PPM members co-join in what I call unholy matrimony after the last election to form the unity government. Um, we witnessed that. We all witnessed that. We've seen what they've done. Um, true to their name in unity since then. What we did not see, what we were deprived of seeing was the divorce. So I wanna know, we, we, as far as I'm concerned, there's not even a separation, legally speaking. Um, mm -hmm. we, there was no declaration whilst the house was um, still in session or, or, or before it was dissolved. Um, so it's, it comes across as, it smacks a little bit of, mm, um, a, a bit of disingenuousness to, to say now, Oh well, we have a coalition, but it doesn't involve Makiva. How are mm -hmm. we going to rely on that? We've seen what they do. We've, mm -hmm. you know, we, you know, the facts speak for themselves. Um, there's this, there's their signs display this thing. Um, uh, say PPM, uh, a member of the alliance. We, we don't know what that is. Uh, mm -hmm. Is that different from the coalition that Mr. McLaughlin mentioned the other day? That doesn't include Makiva. Does that alliance include Makiva? These are questions that should be put to those folks and, and they should be answered. I mean, if anyone asks me who I'm affiliated with, I'm prepared to tell them. They saw two of them the other night on, on my platform. Um, as far as Kurt's role in the PPM, I don't know exactly what that is. I know for a fact that Mr. Tibbetts works for Bronte Development. I know that from personal experience because he was involved in the Lakovia redevelopment approval process. I was representing folks on the other side of that application. Um, so I know for a fact he works there. I saw that that part of the message is true. Um, whether he is the puppet master as that message portrays him, I don't know, but I can say that clearly, as everyone knows, Kurt Tibbetts is a politician extraordinaire, mm -hmm. um, much more so because he proclaims himself to not be a politician. Uh, right. 
I mean, he, he was one of those political juggernauts. Um, say what you want about their politics of Makiva. You know, they, they, they have the ability to, to, to mesmerize and motivate their people to vote for them. Kurt, at one point, I think, got something like 80% of the vote when we had mm-hmm. multi-member constituencies. That's, I believe, unprecedented. Mm-hmm. So, we, you know, the PPM directorate, so to speak, would be silly not to be taking um, political advice from Kurt. I don't believe for a second they wouldn't. Um, so there's reason to believe there's there's a connection there. Um, but as to the rest of it, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I've been focused on meeting my people in Red Bay, preparing for meetings, um, and that's kept me very busy, I can tell you. Yeah. And, well, let's, and- let's talk about you, Sammy. Um, you are, I'll tell you what, like I said, I went to both meetings last night. I worked actually both meetings. Um, we live streamed them, so if you missed the meetings, please go on um, on the website. Um, I must say kudos to Andre. He was full of fire. Um, he got very emotional during his meeting. Uh, he had a song that he was playing. I mean, it was from a marketing perspective, it was a well put together event. It was lit as young people love to say. And um, I, I found it very, very interesting though, like I said, the audience that came and the West Bayers themselves who were sitting there looking around going, why are all these PPM members here? Why is Tara here? Like, like people do things silently. You remember what Tara said during her unnecessary press conference where she said that in what, what she has learned, like the one thing she has learned in the world of politics was that um, your actions speak um, your truth or something like that. Well, her, her actions were speaking her truth last night when she showed up at that meeting very, very loudly. And so even at that meeting, Sammy, you were the talk of the town last night, my friend. Let me tell you, the Maru have been hot with your name since Wednesday night. Everyone that I have, oh my God, did you hear about Sammy's meeting? Oh, Sandy, were you there? Did you see how many people were there? Because I'm hearing it was 500 people. Well, you know, Caymanians um, <laughs> will we'll add on a little a little sus and a little sprinkle on the top. Um, I don't think it was 500 people, but it was definitely very close to at least 300, if not a little bit over. Uh, I know for a fact, I think you had some 250 chairs. They were all pretty much filled up at one point. And you had people who were sitting in their cars, people who were sitting on you know, um, the trunk beds uh, of trucks, listening and standing up. And you had people coming from west, from the east, from the south, from all over. So tell us um, how you felt about the, I thought it was a success, personally haven't seen a lot of political meetings since the late 1990s, for a newcomer to the political arena to have such an amazing turnout. Uh, How are you feeling today and what lessons did you take away from your meeting on Wednesday? Well, we were pleasantly surprised by the turnout, Sandra. Um, Unfortunately, I couldn't see most of the folks at the back, because I had these really bright lights shining in my eyes most of the time, but um, I could see that there was quite an impressive crowd. Um, and I tried to, we didn't have songs and all that sort of stuff other than Miss Izzy at the beginning singing a national song um, very elegantly. But I'm not very good at showmanship. Uh, and maybe I come across as dull sometimes because that's typical typically how lawyers present themselves in court. So it was a struggle to not get too emotional. I tried to 
address the crowd in an earnest and you know sort of level-headed way. Folk, some folks have said to me, well, you need a little more fire. Others have said, we're glad that you weren't shouting and screaming like other people and banging your fist. Um, so I, I guess it's, I'm, I've got to find a balance. Um, mm -hmm. At the end of the day, like I said earlier, you need to listen to the message. Don't, don't look at me. Don't, don't look at candidates, you know, how they appear. That's the mistake we make too many times over. Listen to the content of their message. Analyze it. See whether it makes sense, right? Um, and I'm trying to make sense. And the most difficult thing for me sometimes is to explain complex issues in simple terms. Um, because as lawyers, we like to complicate things. I, I recognize that, right? We tend to look at the minutiae and forget the big picture. Uh, having said that, one of the one of my strengths, I believe, is that as a planning lawyer, I try to look at things at the you know the big picture level, um, connect connect all the, the, the relevant bits and make a, um, an image out of it that folks can understand that's what i'm working on the message um and there's, there's a lot of work to be done there's a lot of stuff to be covered um i had a question session at the end because i wanted folks to be able to show up and ask me any question they chose we had questions about uh, um mp accountability and uh, apparently that's provoked the ire of mckeever he's already lambasting me on social media or something like that i saw this morning um yeah you know you know you know the story mm. about in your cross stones in the big pen, the one that squeals, the one that was hit, um, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. But um, largely, we are encouraged, um, and we're going to move forward with the message. I, I, I want to drill down into some of the details of what we're going to do going forward, what we're proposing to do. Um, and and it's quite exciting, Sandra, I, I, because of the short time frame, it's so hard to arrange everything. I have a very small committee, mostly made up of family members. And, and we're, we're just trying to do the right thing um, and hope that that message resonates with, with, with folks who come out and listen and, and listen on social media. And um, focus on the issues, not the personalities. There's far too much of this, you know, backbiting and back channeling and all these little messages flying around. I had to deal with some, some of that myself the other day. I heard this, this this rumor about I'm stealing land from family members and all sorts of rubbish. And I wanted to say on that particular topic, right? Mm -hmm. There was a, there was some litigation in the past between myself and two of my family members, an uncle and a cousin. That was ultimately settled by them. Well, one of them writing me a letter of apology. The other one, unfortunately, had passed away in the meanwhile. Um, and I I I we I achieved the settlement some out of that. I have a written letter of apology and I have a stamped, sealed consent order settling that matter from their lawyers. And if that is what, right, uh -huh. the propagandists for whatever PPM, UDP, CDP, whatever alphabet soup organization is promoting that, um, if that's what they're hanging their hat on, I can tell them they're going down a dangerous road because what folks need to understand is that in this country from about the middle 70s, Defamation is a criminal offense, you know. Mm -hmm. No one should know that better than McKeever Bush. Mm -hmm. He was fooled by Jim Bodden. The seminal case on defamation in Cayman is, is Bodden versus Bush. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just sad, though, that we even have to talk about stuff like that. There's so much more important things that we need to talk about yes. for going forward. We are in the middle of a global pandemic. We have... Mm -hmm serious that, that might have serious economic consequences for us we are 
you know, under the gun with the, the CFATF, all those initiatives overseas that threaten our financial services industry. Mm-hmm. We need to, to shore up what we have. We need to focus on the future. We need to, to get to understand what our options are mm-hmm. um, in terms of economic recovery and get to work on those things and stop stabbing each other in the back and making all these silly accusations mm-hmm. and allegations. Because unfortunately, what happens then is we get distracted. Those yeah. things, they're so salacious and exciting. We got, you know, oh, you heard what he said about Kurt. You heard what he said about Sam. You heard what he said about Makeba. And we get involved in that too deeply. And we and meanwhile, candidates can come out, give some vacuous statement about how they're going to give better representation, et cetera, et cetera. They never tell you how. Um, and then you elect them based on yeah, or their, their, their impressive turnout or whatever. I, I'm, you know, I, I'm not putting any faith in the fact that a lot of people turned up. I think a lot of people turned up at my meeting because they wanted to hear what I had to say, right? Yeah. And I, I'm not going to interpret that immediately as these are my supporters, right? If mm-hmm. that, I, I know folks just wanted to, because I'm I, I'm the new guy in town. I'm challenging the premier. Some of them probably think I'm out of my mind. They, we got to go see what this crazy guy is going to say, right? Um, I, I just wanted to to get to work on the issues. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to focus on. Yeah. Simple things, right? Um, the need fixing and major complex things that we need to address in the and short I, and I, Yeah, I'm yeah, glad that I don't know why we're getting some feedback here. I was I just was saying that I'm glad that you um, addressed, you know, sort of this, what you say is just a disgusting and, and untrue rumor because sometimes um, it's kind of, it's something I was talking to someone else about this the other day. Sometimes it's difficult, even here in this program with myself, you know, I'll sit here and I go, oh, there's another rumor out there about me or CMR. Do I even give it any life? Because unfortunately, when you have to address it, it's the Barbara Streisand effect is what they call it. Mm-hmm. When you address it, sometimes it brings more attention to it than had you just left it alone. But I am of the opinion that if you hear, especially in a community this small, if you hear more than a handful of people with it, it's probably widely circulated and worth your while to um, just accurately address it, set the record straight and just move on. And, you know, I, I personally don't have any qualms with, with people doing that because I think in this political silly season, there is a rumor surrounding every single person with a view to discrediting them by the handful of people who, for whatever reason, do not wish to see them make any inroads um, in the political arena. And as far as I'm concerned, um, Sammy, you there would be no rumors about you if you were not a force to be reckoned with. So in other words, if they had nothing to fear, uh, no one would be talking about you at all. So there are candidates, for example, who are running in Georgetown East, Georgetown West, Nobody talks about them. Nobody says anything about them because nobody, everybody knows they're not going to even get one or 2% of the vote. When people start circulating these rumors about you, Sherry Ann says on point and Marshall and Joyce Ann also agree. Um, when people start dredging up, you know, a rumor from 10, 15, 25 years ago that again, they don't have all the information, all the facts on it's because they're worried. And I think, again, coming off of your meeting, and I said this from that evening to people who were there, I said, wow, if I were Alden McLaughlin and I saw this turnout, regardless of whether they're supporters or not, the momentum in the stage has been set 
for a very interesting um, Red Bay campaign leading up to the May 14th election. If I were Alden, I would be worried. I'd be going, shoot, Alden is, um, Sammy is a serious competitor. Uh, you are a competitor who's on par with him professionally, maybe even a little bit more qualified because you've remained in the legal profession um, when he hasn't. But, you know, you're someone who is passionate a lot about a lot of issues, including, you know, the future of, of Caymanian people, the environment, and so many development in this country, what direction we're going. Um, so he finally has a real challenger. Now, what is the way forward in terms of, I know you'll probably have a couple more meetings. I know you've been doing your door-to-door. Um, you've been doing kind of smaller group meetings and stuff as well. What else can people expect from Samuel, Sammy Jackson going into um, April the 14th? Well, uh, we, we've identified five major areas. Um, they've, they've been published that we want to, uh, we think need to, to get intense scrutiny, um, uh, issues that need to be addressed, et cetera. We're going to drill down into um, some of the detail and how I would propose um, to address those things. Mm -hmm. I, I can tell you that I have already um, floated those ideas with the folks who, are, who I'm I am talking to about alignment, and I spoke to that on at my meeting on on Wednesday. And without you know, sort of um, getting into the the minutia of it now, we the the, the big one for me is mm -hmm. is a sustainable development thing, mm -hmm. uh, and 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 that's that's more my wheelhouse than anyone else's because that's the sort of thing I've been specializing in for a long time. And and I I I have a a vision I have a plan um, that involves legislative reform um, that brings us you know a more modern structure legislative structure and a more modern more modern processes to determine how um, um, developments are approved and to return to some sensibility because what a lot of folks don't realize is that this. PPM government, even when, even the former administration went, whilst it passed the NC, NCL, the National Conservation Law, it exactly one year, it passed that in December 2014, and by mid, sorry, de December 2013, and by December, by mid-2014, it started passing amendments to the regulation, the development planning regulations, and it, it did it again in, in, in a significant way in 2016, but in the those amendments, and there were amendments to the legislation, the principal legislation as well, the development planning law, which made it much more difficult for folks to actually object, right? And it made it more difficult for folks to appeal decisions. That was a deliberate change of legislation. It is something that um, certain, certain quarters were calling for for a long time because there was frivolous appeals being filed, that's what they were called. There were frivolous appeals from time to time. I've, I've fought against them, um, and I've advised people not to launch them. I've seen appeals being launched just because someone doesn't like his neighbor. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as we are, I'm, a, I'm concerned, we need to return the legislation to some sort of balance. One of the things that has been changed, and this is significant, is we had a process where large-scale developments were evaluated based on completely different criteria. 
national level criteria, right? And that came out of us building on the platform of an of a infrastructure fund, um, which would address infrastructural um, needs generated by large scale developments. So, um, but there's just not the, the cost impact, there's other impacts as well. So the, the law used to be, there was a section six, which was dedicated, I spoke to this the other day, I think, where it used to address large scale developments in a different way um, and put it put those developments under significant scrutiny as compared to regular development that um, so that they, there was some balance that recognizes the sustainable development um, that is um, that underscores the concept promoted by our development plan. Because here's a shocking thing for some folks, we do have a form of sustainable development in our development plan because it speaks to the primary objective of the plan being the enhancement and protection of the welfare of the people of the Cayman Islands, right? And that, that means infrastructurally, it goes on to list the things, infrastructure, mm -hmm. um, environment, social and general welfare, those are the things um, that we need to look at. And we, to, in order to look at that, we need to revisit our approach to planning because I feel we've gone off the tracks. Mm -hmm. um, I can't tell you how many times I've been before the CPA and even the Planning Appeals Tribunal. Um, I've been accused of pontificating because I'm, I'm, I'm the guy in the room saying, I, I, I had this experience when I did the Beach Bay Appeal a few months back. Um, mm -hmm. I try to get the, the, the tribunal to focus on the fact that this is this this is how we should be approaching planning control. And if see, and in that case, I said the CPA failed miserably because it just looked at the structure, whether the set, there were setbacks, what the site coverage was, and appeared to rubber stamp it. Mm. Yeah. And we know that was one of those developments that was done under one of those um, um, previously shrouded um, development agreements. Mm -hmm that awarded up to $25 million, I think it was in, in, in concessions. We, my client actually ob, only obtained, he made an FOI request, which was denied. He, he sued the government and he got the agreement on the day of the trial under the FOI law. That's what he, that's what I was instructed. He, would, he was literally handed it at the door of the courthouse or the courtroom and they settled the matter at that point. That is not the state of affairs that translates into a healthy, um development environment and as i said the other night at my meeting the development plan is is about it's it's basically a blueprint of life of came by 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 exacting a form of planning control mm -hmm. that ensures that any development that we permit is beneficial to the people of the cayman islands and we've lost our way on that significantly mm -hmm. when you see all it Local company control or licenses that were handed out willy-nilly in the past uh, four years alone. There was Minister Hugh was under cross-examination. I call it by by I believe it was the East End member, the leader of the opposition now, uh, about what these deals entailed and how many LCCLs had been issued. And we, those of us who um, have been around long enough will remember that way back in the day we only had local com company control law license, which is an exemption to the trade and business license in law mm -hmm. for large um, development firms like Hads Faltic and McAlpine, and they were limited to large scale developments that local companies couldn't actually execute. The, the rationale behind it was simple. We did not want large companies competing unfairly with small local companies. But look at what has happened now. 
Every Caymanian company owner I know complains bitterly about unfair competition. We don't have any sort of regulation of unfair competition in the construction industry. So when you talk about reinvigorating the, or stimulating the economy by way of concessions in the construction industry, what, what, who is that stimulus benefiting exactly? It's not us. Because what we end up with is a lot of large-scale developments that have serious infrastructural impacts. And I'm not just talking about roads. I'm talking about um, schools, you know, an extra wing in a hospital. You, you, when you look at the big picture, when you, when you build, as they say, build it and it will come. That's the approach we've taken. But when they come, they add, add extra demand on our, our health facilities, Mm -hmm. Our school facilities, all of those things that we take for the granted. Roads, everything. Yeah. Roads, roads is a definite one. Um, and everybody comes and you know, they come with two cars for, for, for husband, wife, and, and a car for the helper. Mm -hmm. Every household has, you know, probably an average three cars. When you look at that picture and you look at right now, for example, in the immediate vicinity of Red Bay, right? Unfortunately for, for Red Bay and Prospect and the, all the Eastern districts right around that bottleneck that is the Hurley's roundabout. Mm -hmm. There's multiple large-scale developments being constructed as we speak that are going to collectively dump probably something in the order of a thousand cars a day or more onto that road. Now, if they all come out of their respective homes at one time, that you're going to talk about massive gridlock of, of unprecedented proportion. We haven't seen that before. And that's going to back jam the traffic all the way into the eastern districts. That's what happens when you don't plan for infra infrastructural development. You need to look at things that you talk about big picture. We need to be forward looking as well. Right? Not just going up in a helicopter, as I heard Mr. Hughes say one day, looking at it, at, and he realized it was the east-west arterial that was a problem. And it's not actually that. Common sense would dictate that if you widen the bottom of a bottle, but you don't increase the size of the bottleneck, you're going to make the bottleneck much more of a constraint. Mm -hmm. Traffic is going to arrive at that point much quicker and back up, right? Um, you don't need to be a traffic expert to figure that one out. So we need the folks of Red Bay Prospect and the, all of the Eastern districts need that to be addressed pronto. And, and there's things we can do beyond building roads like staggering work hours. Um, you know, um, asking the schools to, 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 to change their, stagger their, their opening and closing times maybe. Mm -hmm. would need to be looked at like we could have at least a short term, some short term relief. I mean, when I talk to folks in Red Bay, that's their number one complaint. My God, man, it takes me so long every morning to get to work, mm. right? People spending half their, their lives, their day in a car in a, on an island this size, that's craziness, right? Mm -hmm. Let me address things like public transport, and I mean in a meaningful way. I'm not talking about that crazy stuff we have now <laughs> because um, that's not the answer. We need something structured, properly regulated. Mm -hmm. We have put so much effort into regulating a few things to the nth degree. But the things that are really important, the major things, we sort of just let it go wherever. And we and we are reactive to it. We wait for two years of people complaining and say, oh, you know what? Elections coming. We need to fix them roads now. Let's get the NRA out there. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. That 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 foolishness has to stop. That is not the that's not in any way, shape, or form part of the repertoire of a nation building exercise. That's just the, the chaos. And we need to stop it. Um we need to move forward with a, with a, and develop a plan rapidly 
and I say this, this is the saddest thing of all, Sandra, for me, because before I left government in 1998, 1998, July 1998, I left, I left the legal department. Mm -hmm. I wrote, I spent many weeks researching and I wrote an opinion to the direct, then director planning, planning um, James Cochran and the then director of public works because the NRA didn't exist back then, as far as I recall, um, about how to create a development plan for roads, if a forward looking plan, one that, you know, was done, was done on a 25 year outlook uh, basis. Mm -hmm. And that we could then overlay that onto the development plan, right? As an overlay on the zoning map, so that we could then see whenever developments are approved, right? That, oh, you're building that those apartments right, right where we need a future road. And of course, you don't just shut down development because of that you got there's got the, there's got to be compensation. We need to bear in mind, we need to find that balance of protecting private individuals' constitutional rights and promoting the, 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 the greater good. What, what does the public require? What's in the public interest? That's always a delicate balance and it needs to be looked at carefully. And you cannot look at things carefully in arrears because it's too late. You need to plan ahead. That's what planning is actually about. Planning isn't about you know looking at a set of plans and rubber stamping them. Planning is about looking at the future. Right, um, that that's that's and it, one way that the, that that sort of idiot said manifested itself, and I said so at the time, which was in the mid nineties, was we we zone things based on existing use, and I was there saying, well, wait, isn't planning about future use? So if you have a school there now, does you should the planning map? You don't need a zoning map saying it's it's institutional zone because it's already in use. You need to think about what you need that to, to be 25 years from now or 10 years from now, mm -hmm. right? So there's lots and lots of stuff like that that need to be addressed. I have a whole list of things. Um, I hope to get to address them in, in, in a manner which folks can, you know, listen to me, understand it, not get cross-eyed <laughs> by all the minutiae. But we have got to get a grip on development. We have got to implement sustainable development and protecting the environment is an integral part of that. Now, I said at my meeting the other night, in, in my view, what we need are to identify, finally identify. I'm on board with the DOE on this. They've been crying for this before the national conservation law existed. Mm -hmm. We need national park type protection for truly ecologically valuable land, right? That land, which has value based on its ecology, and we we have to simply acquire that land where it's privately owned, and we put that land under the management of a legislative regime that is protected in perpetuity, much the way that Teddy Roosevelt did in the United States in the, in the early 1900s, as far as I remember. Something like 6 million acres of land under protection since then in the US. That's the kind of forward-looking perspective we need to, to deploy. Mm -hmm. um, not what we have, which is this constant conflict between developer and, and environmentalists every time a development is, is proposed. Because, you know, you, 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 in, in, in all of that, you have people just drawing a, a line saying, well, I'm, 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 I'm on this side of the line and, and, and others saying I'm on this side of the line. 
and you can't get any consensus on anything. And in, in the long run, that ends in disaster because what is going to happen is you're going to have lots of lawsuits and legislation at some point in time will be changed again in knee-jerk fashion and, and the pendulum swings to the exact opposite extreme. That is not the way to do it, in my mm -hmm. humble opinion. So those are the sorts of things, Sandra, that I want to discuss going forward. Okay, thank you, Sammy. Let's read a few comments and then we've got Sabrina Turner that we're going to bring into the conversation here. Um, let me just back up. Uh, Ms. Darlene said uh, earlier that I'm so sad that politics can be so cruel to each other. Um, please cut out all of the attacking and get down to what matters, making Cayman a better place for children and grandchildren and generations to come. Um, good morning to Louis, joining us from Detroit. He's a Caymanian living in Detroit. Troy says, this time we need to elect MPs who are committed to radical change, to change the system for good governance. Otherwise, we're just rotating pigs at the throw. Bonnie, good morning. Wishing Sammy all the best. She said Sammy's got it for West Bay. Sue um, is concerned about affordable housing for younger people. And, um, you know, trying to get mortgages, stamp duty, health insurance, all things that contribute to the cost of living. Good morning to Melanie. Melanie says, exactly. We're building roads through neighborhoods in front of people's homes or flattening them entirely, dissecting our communities. Community must come first. Our health and quality of life is bound to where we live. Darlene McKenzie says, good morning. Two Cayman and lawyers hitting the beat. This thing is getting sweeter and sweeter every day. Uh, Melanie says six lane highways with no greenscaping or safety consideration is going to see a rise in the sickness of our people. Six lane highways, Lord. Um, Joyce Ann says we need some educated people to understand the law. A lot of is going on in planning. I'm so happy to hear someone that has the interest at heart also someone that is not afraid to take a stand and fight for us. Good morning, Mr. Sim. I always get this wrong. Simamba. Yes. Uh, he's wishing Sammy good luck. And he says that you're making a lot of sense. Uh, Daisy, good morning, my dear. Troy says Cayman has been for sale for decades and it still is. We have sold our land, our people, our identity, and our souls. Oh, yeah. Lord, we need to... Cut that out in a hurry. Um, Joy Sam says, yes, that's correct. Come on, Sammy. People have to leave home at 5.30 to get to work. They're so tired by the end of the day. Lord, I would be tired by the time I got to work. Uh, Tracy agrees that the roads are a mess every day. They're accidents. Uh, meanwhile, there's no tourists. So if the locals can't make sense of them, what happens when tourists come back? That's a good point, Tracy, because... I feel really? like uh, accidents haven't stopped now that you've been locked down because of COVID. Um, Joyce Sand goes on to say, because they all take, because they take all Caymanians for full, when election is coming, they quick fix things to look like they're doing something. I pray that my Caymanians don't get fooled by their foolishness. Uh, Tracy, again, contributing to the traffic concerns, um, says traffic is bad now. Imagine when those homes are filled and tourists are back. Yikes. Offices soon have bedrooms. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that happens. Um, Sue complaining about the um, roundabouts. <laughs> Ugh, don't even go there. Let's bring Sabrina in. Good morning, Sabrina. How are you? Good morning. I'm fine. Thank you. Hi, Sammy. 
Hey, Sabrina. I'm wondering uh, if you have me bugged or something because a number of the issues that you're actually <laughs> addressing um, are, are key issues, but I would understand because we're pretty much um, conversing with people that lives in the same area because yeah. our areas are so close, but we're almost singing, well, I would say practically uh, singing out of the same hymn book. Yes, your your neighbors when it comes to your constituencies for sure. Literally, yes. So it's, it's a lot of the issues and concerns that have been brought forth is something that we have been facing in the Red Bay Prospect area for decades, and it's only getting worse. It's obvious we're putting the cart before the horse, and you know, during this campaign, we have to assure the people that when we take a stage, now that we have a platform, that it's just not political talk. And that you have like-minded set of people that's just not far left or far right, but can all come on the same path because we're all affected by traffic. We're all affected by flooding, a living wage, minimum wage, however it's going to end up at the end of the day with the majority, of course, supporting the, the will and needs of the people and access to affordable home, home ownership. What path, what, what path and policies we all come together to to actually make that a reality, as long as we can get like-minded set of people who are willing to bat in the people's corner and not be left behind anymore is the aim right now and not just political talk. Anybody can take a platform and speak. Um, I know that we're still a small knit community and a lot of, of the votes will be given based on personalities, one, and who know who, that does make a big, a big part. But at the end of the day, we need to mature a little bit more when it comes to politics and choose a candidate that has a better chance of not losing their voice once they get elected and actually can carry out the will of the people once it's in betterment of the country and its people and not just talk. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Not just talk. Well, Howard says they've already destroyed most of her mangroves. Selena says the government um, has focused on regulating for financial services and various special interest groups, but the needs of the people have been on the back burner for far too long. So many laws are out of date, no longer serve their purpose, and negatively affect the quality of life, but they're simply ignored. And to Selena's point, I mean, even in terms of some of the human rights and constitutional challenges that we have had in recent times, for years now, it goes back to the fact that, um, you know, we have a somewhat modernized constitution, but yet the laws on the back end are still woefully out of date and they've not been given the relevant attention by legislators um, that it creates a conflict, even with the Cubans just two weeks ago, protesting right. on the steps of the government building. That is, as the um, Human Rights Commission has said, a direct result of legislation, acts of parliament now as they're being called, that are woefully out of date, that contravene the actual provisions of the constitution. And why can't we prioritize those things and get it done? Well, you're right, you hit the nail on the head, Sandra. Um, the, the 2009 constitution presumed that all legislation would be brought into alignment, all existing legislation would be brought into alignment with that document because that is the mother of all laws so to speak we but we have never done that exercise we talked much about it uh, as a nation the government after successive government since 2009 have done absolutely nothing in fact they've passed legislation that is incompatible with the, the constitution 
which is the most shocking thing. One of them is the national conservation law, by the way. So if we're gonna if we're gonna have that protective regime, we better make sure it's constitutionally sound. Otherwise, some ambitious soul may challenge it successfully, and then think about what happens next. Um, we, we 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 need to stop being reactive. We have a law reform commission, so we could either repurpose that, or we could have a constitutional reform commission set up to meet to go through every single piece of legislation. You know, instead of worrying about whether it's named the law or act, mm -hmm. why not look at it and see whether it conforms to the constitution? Because the constitution is what guarantees us all our citizens' rights, guarantees us all access to justice. And it's sad, I can tell you from practice, I have represented hundreds if not thousands of people over the years who, whose rights have been impinged upon by government departments, entities, agencies, etc. And And they're, they're, another part of it is that they're hugely inefficient, they have different processes, not recognizing that they're all governed by the same body of administrative law. And that only manifests itself when a judicial review action is filed. Um, and, and, and one way we could improve if efficiency immensely in Cayman is to make sure that every statutory board, right? Because these boards all perform what we call quasi-judicial functions. They exercise discretion in favor or, or against um, applicants for licenses and permits, et cetera. Uh, make sure that all of the, the, the processes are aligned so that as best as possible, so that it's clear, transparent, and predictable, makes it easier. So you don't have to actually hire a lawyer to make an application for trade and business license, um, for example. And, when, and then you go to the next level, which is the appeals tribunal level, something that I've been crying for since I've been in, in, in the legal department in the 90s. We need a central appellate tribunal because it's all the same law, body of law, common law uh, that governs how these appeals are, are, are determined. We need one central tribunal sitting full-time, being paid by government, to, uh, com but completely independent of government, making the, performing that judicial function just like it's, if it was the summary court. Because it, it's not just criminal acts that need that kind of attention. It's, the, you know, people have rights to get, to make applications for and have their applications determined fairly, right? And as the Constitution says, every decision of a public official, this is Section 19, must be lawful, rational, proportionate, and procedurally fair. That enshrines the, for, the, the grounds of appeal that are, are fought for judicial review. So our Constitution basically enshrines the administrative law position. And we have yet to fix all of these, these, these pieces of legislation, these no acts of parliament, so that folks, regular folks, can have access to a process that is fair, procedurally fair, and if people who make decisions are bound by rationality, legality, and proportionality. That's, to me, is, that's, that's absolutely fundamental and elementary, and, and we haven't done that. We've failed miserably because we're too busy making deals with special interest groups. Mm. Sammy, if I can interject, I mean, oh. you're you're an attorney. I specialize in immigration law that leads me to trade and business, um, labor, and even um, British Nationality Act. And you're quite right. You kind of wonder, once elected, and knowing what our duty is to make policies work in conjunction and align with the Bible or Constitution, to fix laws so that there are not so much loopholes and gaps mm. I feel that on this campaign trail and that we both have a platform, the amount of education that we've had to do 
that many a times we hear the issues, we hear the cries of people, and then you and I working with laws know that, oh my gosh, there's a lot of work. So that laws are misinterpreted. The intent has to be actually put in by the legal draftman when it's all approved. But why has it, why does it fall on the back bench once you're elected? If you're noticing that the, the amount of dialogue that you've been having on your platform, even here, I'm listening. And all we're saying is where are the laws to protect everyone that's fair and balanced, as you rightfully say. So why aren't they addressed once elected? We're educating people, and that's key. People are having now to sit back, listen to what we're saying, because we're not talking at them. But when you actually explain what the role is of a politician, why are you in need when they are elected in order to make policies and laws that don't make you feel less? Why aren't there legislations put in place that everyone, it is, it's understood? And then you don't leave a big chunk of it up to discretion or for people to be left saying a board is more favored this side or that side. If legislations were in place, it would be clean and clear. You're, you're right, Sabrina. And, and part of it is, take the health insurance industry, for example. You don't hear any politician talking about that. I addressed it. Very no, recently, right? no regulations but, there. And we're all affected by it. Absolutely. And, 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 and that is the most expensive thing um, that, that a citizen is required to buy. Imagine that. It's a must. We that in, in home insurance, it's a must, or you're not going to get through with your mortgage. Exactly. I, I, These I, are I, legislations that we as newcomers need to consider, but also with the heirs of the people. The thing is, in speaking with the constituents, they all know what they want, but they're almost confused. You're looking at decades and decades of participating in a democratic process, but totally by choice, maybe, or deliberate, the suppression of knowledge has caused us to even doubt when you have viable, great, honest, authentic candidates putting themselves out and you're actually outing fires of mudslinging than getting to the point. And we we are we, we can't give up the fight in all honesty because there's more good out there than it is negative. But you know, we are putting ourselves there for the people to have another choice. And I am hoping that by means of, of these conversations and roundtable discussions like this, where we can weigh off so that we know at least we're on the same playing field. And when you when you talk about regulation of um, insurance that goes to medical, that goes to home, I can't understand why you would have sitting people there that are going through the same thing and don't see where it's a priority and it's a need of your people. I just cannot understand why. I think I do. I think it, it's... It depends on whose interests you're protecting. Um, it, that's got to be the only explanation. Either you're grossly incompetent and or lazy, or you are promoting the interests of a special group of people who have a vested interest in keeping the things things the way they are. And if that is the case, I don't know which one is worse, but I can tell you what. I've, I intend to grapple with these issues head on, um, free of any external influence or, or control. And if that cost me this election, then I can go away, look my kids in the face and say, well, look, daddy tried. I, I, I just I just couldn't make it. In um, all honesty, the public, public didn't want it. In all honesty, I, 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 I feel the same, but that's not to be misread that we're discouraged. 
No. Um, and many no. a times with that type of approach, you're honestly being misread. But once it's coming from a good place, Sammy, we can just only continue in the fight to know that we're genuinely in it to make change, to, to be held accountable, to really make a difference in the style of governance. I mean, me being a female and look at how we're just conversing with one another. You're not hearing any rage. You're not hearing any anger. We're feeling the same pain that everybody's feeling. Now, we know that we have to have a majority of persons to buy into what we're saying. But when you're talking about minimum wage, whether that's going to be then switched now to what I, I feel we should get the support of with more, with more information, um, a living wage definitely has to be addressed. The planning laws, the sustainable development that you alluded to earlier on. And when you look at your localized issues, those are a combination of national and localized. When you look at it with the development, where is the protection of, of persons' homes for developments that are coming in after the fact? You have persons that are, are satisfied with just going in and slapping asphalt down for a speed bump, not to tell you that they're not needed. But when you look at just the engineering aspects of that, by put, installing speed bumps in certain areas without proper runoff, you're directing that water in many cases into the people's yard. Just doing a deep well with our water table being so high, again, that is an issue. So these are conversations that it is localized, it's needed, but you have to look at it from a holistic um, point of view. And that, that takes all of us to agree and understand that these issues are real. Community togetherness um, is also gonna make it work because that togetherness brings education. We can tap into each other to make it all work. And just getting the buy-in from the people is key in success in moving us forward. I, I, I'm, a, I'm imploring on people to hold all of those accountable and ask the right questions. See what they know. See how they're willing to fight for you. And if it's something that they don't know, hold them accountable to get back to you. Because if you so vote for them, you're going to want to make sure that they're able to work in the best interest of, of you, the people of the country, and, um, you know, to make it better for everyone and not just, as you rightfully say, special interests. We've been at the losing end of the pool for this for far too long, Sammy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. huh. I know I'm a victim myself. I know exactly in the, in the legal industry what we had to encounter, what we had to battle with over the last um, two years. It, I, and, and I'm still left shaking my head. Some of the things that I heard come out of the premiers and, and even the attorney general's mouth, I've addressed this on radio before, um, just left me shaking my head. And we have not yet received any assurance of a proper uh, resolution, despite the passage of this Legal Services Act, which cannot be activated because the members cannot be appointed. That's what I was told by the AG the other day. Um, so all of that fuss, and we still haven't got a solution. How is that for progress? Um, you know, for a stronger, brighter future. Really? Yeah. We have so much issues. We have our elderly to deal with. We have our at-risk youth. We This all comes together where a village raises a child. And now this village is even encompassing our elderly, our young adults, even people like myself, 46. I still need guidance. That's why my campaign are actually comprised of mentors. All of those assistants that I've been, that, that, I have been getting, but mm. when you when you're looking at life as what it is, is policy is politics still what it was ten years ago, or has it changed based on you and I putting ourselves forward, being in the forefront 
for ridicule, it comes with it. But does it have to descend to the low in which it's going sometime when we have bigger issues to deal with? Anybody who engages in that in, in the middle of all that we, are, we see around us is, is just reckless, negligent, and selfish. That's that's as simple as I can put it. Because mm. you, you can't have all of this, you know, you, you talk about Nero playing the, the liar while Rome burned. Well, my friend is playing the liar while Rome is burning. That needs to stop, right? And uh, people need to hold these folks accountable. And I, you know, I, I, someone asked me the other night, would I, would I support amendments to the constitution that help hold um, uh, members of parliament responsible, accountable, including a, a right to recall them in certain circumstances? My answer to that is resoundingly yes, I would support that. Because yeah. you need those sorts of constitutional provisions, obviously. We, we've seen that uh, an example yeah. now. We need that sort of thing to hold, you know, all of us who end up in, in, in a parliamentary position mm -hmm. accountable. I think it just comes automatically. It comes automatically with the position um, because we're under scrutiny. People are looking at you as an example setter and someone who will uphold the laws at all costs and that's here or international. You are held at a higher standard because you are the voice of thousands and we're, we're ambassadors just by selling our country. We're even put on a higher standard once the people elect you into parliament. And, and I, I see nothing wrong with holding our representatives accountable. I mean, as just lay people in our society, we should all be held accountable. And that's why we have laws. Exactly. And if it's, so if it's, good, if it's good for our constituents, why is it not good for us? You're quite we, right. Prosecuted and convicted, and yet there's no consequence. You're really? quite right. You know, if you're in a private sector and you get convicted of, 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 of an assault, you'd get fired the next, you'd expect to get fired the next day, wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. That's for sure. And, uh, but by the beginning, oh, I before the conviction, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> true. Yes. True. Yeah. Wow. So some some very interesting um, discussions and comments. Um, it's uh, good to have a sounding the, board. It yeah. it just weighs off on on each other. I mean, we we know that your listeners and viewers are engaged, but it's good, and I guess it's not for it to be misread. But um, Sammy, just a by Sandra giving us this platform and Thursday is Georgetown Day and we pay we pay to play. Um, you know, the optics is that is you Friday. and I are running. It's Friday already. Yes, exactly, Friday. The <laughs> optics is, oh, it's Sabrina and, and Sammy. How are we gonna know whether or not we align unless we engage? Yes. There are actually others mm -hmm. who are vying for political seat that are scared to be seen because mm -hmm. of one could be um, branded or again, this comes to personalities and not politics. Yet we're all fighting, I hope, for the same goal of getting elected to represent the people on key issues that are that are affecting everyone and our country. Why should we be in a position where we're even fearful of being seen in this forum or even in a public sitting discussing issues that we're all vying for? So this is where the this is where the conversations and the political maturity of our people needs to be enhanced and not be taken out of context. This thing about, oh, that's politics, that's how it is. We're not going to get the younger generation interested on the right footing to participate and be a member, you know, want to get into politics more. If we, example setters, the next preparing the stage for the next generation, don't conduct ourselves at a certain at a certain level. I encourage all and as many 
grown um, young adults to get involved. Come on my come on my on my journey with me so that you can see, you can hear, you realize what happens behind the scene. I mean, getting elected is one thing, doing the campaign is another, but really what happens and 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 what you're exposed to, what you experience during the campaign is totally different. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I agree, Sabrina. And the thing is, take take our two constituencies or the constituencies that we're vying for. Right yes. Now. Um, as an example. It is obvious. After all, they are just lines drawn on a map, right? Yeah. There's no geological or geographical features that determine the boundaries of Red Bay Prospect. None at all. It's it's down the middle of a road, Marina Drive. Yeah. So it is absolutely key that the the two constituents who get in for those two districts work together because they're actually part of the larger community. And, And we expand it beyond that, obviously, but for certain, when you have uh, that, we we are, our, our constituencies basically merge. Uh-huh. They do. It is absolutely key that we have people who can work together with one another to better that entire area. You know, not just focus on well, uh, I I want this for you know the the west side of of, of Marina Drive. I don't care what happens on the east side. Uh-huh. That there's when, when we and this is one of the reasons, Sabrina, that I've never really advocated for. One man, one vote. Because I know, as Caymanians, we tend to think parochial. I, I remember growing up when people say, and I've even heard this employed by by the premier talking about, "I'm a West Bay. I haven't lived in West Bay since 1999." What is that all about? I'm a Caymanian, right? You're a Caymanian. Sandra's a Caymanian. We we come from one tiny little island that, that is about the size of a village. Let's stop pretending that we're some great metropolis, and you know, and and there's there's you know sort of barrios or or. Or, or boundaries that we have to uh, adhere to. And if, mm-hmm. if you dare come into my area, as if it's some sort of turf war. Yeah. Really? Is that how, that's the level of maturity in politics in Cayman? And that's, that's we don't, we don't have to, part, um, go ahead. That's the scary part about, about what can happen with this one man, one vote situation is that it becomes easier to create this garrison style politics that we hear yes. in other you know regions around the world, right here in the Caribbean as well. So um, very, very good point. Uh, we are running out of time, but I do have a question that has come in, um, Sammy, for you. Let me just see. Sure. I did see it on WhatsApp. Here we go. Um, who would Sammy choose to be premier from the candidates running for election? So this is a hypothetical question that I think is good for both of you. Um, it's it's a difficult one because, of course, you don't know necessarily who's getting in. But it does say of the candidates. So we have 50 candidates who are um, running. So on the presumption that, I mean, obviously all 50 can't get in. There's only 19 seats. And some who are in there now may retain their seats. But when people ask you a question like this, how do you respond to that in terms of who you could see as premier? I um I can honestly say I haven't really addressed my mind to that, and I wouldn't be I would be a fool too because I'd need to get to know. I personally would want to have a, a a very direct conversation, very direct engagement, um, alone and with others in the room, to determine what that person would do going forward as the head of cabinet. Mm-hmm. I can tell you who it won't be. I have the luxury of running against the sitting premier, so I know it won't be him, um, and he wouldn't be qualified anyhow. And yeah. I wouldn't I I, I couldn't. In all honesty, support Mr. Bush. Um, that, that's a given. And uh, other than that, I haven't addressed my mind to the uh-huh. issue. I know that there are folks who might expect it. 
I don't, I can tell you this, that expectancy is neither here nor there with me. Um, I'm going to do the responsible thing. I'm going to listen to what my constituents would tell me to do um, and listen to the, the others who are on the same side of the table and even the other people on the other side of the table so that I make an informed decision mm. and, a, and a good decision that can take this country forward. Mm -hmm. Okay, Sabrina. I share, the same, I share the same sentiments as Sam to see exactly who the players will be at the end of the day. And like you rightfully say, get back in contact with your people. I'm quite sure um, some of the examples that we've heard that happened the last time, you're going to have a core set of people that you're going to rely on. But most, most, most importantly, you got to see who you're dealing with um, around the, the, the table at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, a few final comments coming in here. Uh, we have Tracy says, everyone should have access to education and health. These are fundamental needs and they can't um, afford it, should not suffer or given less of an opportunity. So if they can't afford it. They can uh, be human rights as far as I'm right. Absolutely. Darlene supports reforming our educational system. Uh, Jackie says, agree with Sabrina. Voters can see exactly who's running for the people versus for a job as they would have worked for the people before election and will continue to work for the people even if not elected. Collaboration among MPs should absolutely be expected and is a huge change that is needed. Sue is in agreement. Um, Joyce Ann says, government took uh, some of my property um, from someone who had a court case and my things were seized, were seized because they were on the person's property. Okay. The person gave them other values to hold. I showed my papers to prove ownership. My property was being used by the government work that the court sent to seize them. Okay. I'm a little bit confused there. I went to a man called Mr. Foldis. He's an attorney. I believe he, he's named the attorney general. And until this day, I have not received my goods or compensation. They're turning me around while this, and then it runs out. Um, Joyce Ann, I would suggest um, maybe reaching out to an attorney. Uh, that sounds like something that you need a good lawyer to assist you with. Um, she also says that Sabrina and Sammy make good sense. She's loving it. And Darlene says, with no disrespect, these tactics are being used in West Bay. Their tactics can stop them from getting a sweet seat in the House of Parliament. I'm not sure which tactics exactly. But folks, I do want to remind you all that um, on Monday, the chamber forums begin. And we will be broadcasting those forums here on CMR. So as part of our um, sort of sister um, entity, Cayman Decides 2021, uh, you can watch those forums live. They're going to be in the evenings. Uh, big shout out to the Cayman Islands Chamber of Commerce in association with Fosters, who will be bringing you the uh, candidate forum. So this is where you get to see. I suspect the vast majority of candidates will participate, but this is where you get to see the candidates um, together by districts. So all West Bay South candidates, Georgetown North and so on, will be together on a single platform being asked and put have questions put to them that have not been pre-presented to them because that's important. Um, so tune in for that starting on um, Monday and it runs for almost a month. It goes right up until the 6th, I believe, of April. So folks, just remember that the 14th 
of April is um, election day. So Sammy and Sabrina, thank you both so much for tuning in to the program this morning. Thanks, thank you. And I, Wednesday is the forum. I think I got an invite for Wednesday the 10th. That's Prospect. Beautiful. Sammy, do you know when Red Bay is as yet? I do have a list. I'll, I'll put it up later on um, on the website. So yes, Wednesday is Prospect, but I think they're handling it a bit differently now. It's going to be live stream, as you stated, and we're going to yeah. all um, meet. Um, well, who's participating is going to meet at the Chamber of Commerce boardroom. I'm not so sure if they're entertaining a small number of persons who may want to attend. Those details they are quite not. Sure. So I can tell you that they're not. Um, the space okay. um, just doesn't allow for it, first of all. And the mm -hmm. reason why they're doing it in a virtual way is um, continued concerns just about COVID and COVID. so on. Correct. I think most of you will appreciate that um, so many things now are being done online. Even political meetings, folks, are being held by Zoom. Yeah. I know that um, Wayne Panton, Ozzy, and Heather, uh, they've been doing a lot of Zoom sessions online where people yeah. can hop on and have these virtual meetings. and. Correct communicate just as effectively. I mean, look at what we're able to accomplish here every single day. You know, we don't need a big fancy studio to do what we do, reducing costs significantly. Um, you know, I don't have to physically get in that traffic every morning. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> and, and fight with, with that. Sammy, with Sammy and myself on the team, that may be a smile one of these days. Yes. Um, yeah. So, you know, we don't have to converge in a single um, location to make it happen, folks. Yeah. And that, that also means that all of you as viewers um, to this program are more than welcome to come in this discussion at any point via video if you wish. Sometimes it happens. Yeah. All right, uh, folks, have a beautiful weekend. Thanks, Sabrina. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I want to remind you guys of a little quote that someone um, shared with me at Sammy's meeting on Wednesday. Uh, Plato said the price of apathy towards public affairs is to be ruled by evil men. Uh, folks, uh, he was alive a very long time ago. And I can tell you that this is a very true statement, sage advice that remains true even to this day. Um, you know, don't be apathetic. He was, he lived from 470 to 399 BCE. Uh, long, long, long before any modern day, um, you know, he's one of the great philosophers. And I can tell you guys that um, this is wonderful advice. Don't be apathetic. We all have to participate. We all have to care. Um, this don't care attitude, I think, is precisely what gets us all in trouble. Um, thank you so much, Mr. Lorita. Uh, we will be delving into um, in further detail exactly where the candidates stand and all of these issues. And I know I've told you guys before, and I'm going to start these this week, uh, the segments called Speakeasy. And essentially what this is, is we will give um, all the candidates who wish to participate a good 15 minutes on individual topics. So if you want to know what Sammy Jackson thinks about education, what he sees are the primary issues and what his solutions are, he's got about 15 minutes to speak on it. Um, say what he's got to say. And we're going to be feeding those through uh, to our uh, online platforms, the website, the social media pages, and so on. And it just gives you an opportunity to hone in on the exact topics. And it also gives the candidates an ability to focus. Because I do know that sometimes when they come in the program, you know, they're answering questions, they're fielding questions from the audience. And, um, you know, it, it kind of is... Um, 
sometimes you go off on a little bit of a tangent on different things. So this allows them to have a very focused conversation on individual and specific issues. So more about that coming up. Um, Karina says Sammy's next public meeting is going to be Friday, March the 12th at the Cayman Islands Sailing Club. Um, and maybe provide some more information about the location of the Sailing Club for those who may not know exactly where that is. All right, good folks. I'm going to leave you today with um, a song from, uh, I think it's so appropriate given how we started out the conversation today, from Alric Lindsay talking about politics and how much is your vote really worth? I think your vote should be priceless, folks. If you've not had an opportunity to check out our Cayman Decides website, please do so. We're still adding um, different elements to the website, including being able to view your candidates by district, which I think is incredibly useful. But um, in the interim, there's information up there and everyone who's running. Uh, some persons, I think there's two candidates that we don't have photos for. That's Christina Rowlandson and um, a Mr. Bernard. I think the first name is Richard Bernard. But we don't have any photos for those individuals as yet. So any of you who know them and who could get us photos, um, please assist. Yeah. 
Y este señor simplemente quería ser un candidato mejor Por eso estamos en eso de aprender el español Honduras, Venezuela y Panamá También se fue a República Dominicana Luego ellos lo llevaron al de Pensando que lo iban a ganar Pero no pudieron y salieron sin nada We don't deal with politics 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 and them bugger tricks Bugger tricks Can't fool me and take with the clown Take with the clown No, 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 no We don't do deal with politics 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 and them bugger tricks Politics All fit Cause him no, 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 no But to all them get fill again Round about get Again. It's an election pill again, talk the goodwill again Holy papali trick again, things I get tick again Suffering still a gone, baby a ball why mommy a yawn Daddy a work from dust to dawn, oh this still a gone But for the youth where I met the mark, I'll recap the house back to deal with politics Politics and them bag of tricks, bag of tricks Can't fool me and take with the clown, take with the clown No, 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 no We not to deal with politics, politics, politics and them bag of tricks. Politics. Oh, Rick Clinton, cause him no, 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 no. We not to deal with politics, politics, politics and them bag of tricks, bag of tricks. Can't fool me and take with a clown, take with a clown. No, 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 no. We not to deal with politics, politics, politics and them bag of tricks. Politics. Oh, Rick Clinton, cause him no, 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 no. tuning in to another edition of the cold hard truth make sure to check facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at caymanmarlroad.com subscribe to our ig and facebook pages to get the latest happenings 